Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On today's episode, I have Kirk Price from The Untamed to come on and talk about spot and stock, West Virginia, mountain bucks, and as well as his recent mountain lion hunt. So Kirk lives and hunts in legendary bow hunting only counties in, in southern West Virginia. So we talk about that spot and stock re, and the reclaimed coal mines and in the Appalachian Mountains for some big whitetails and like I said, just an awesome Arizona mountain lion hunt that he took his dogs out there to uh, to go on here really recently. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. And like I said, this, this episode is brought to you by Onyx. And the Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. Recently, Onyx added elite membership benefits for all elite users to get deals on other hunting companies as well as free memberships to other scouting tools like Hunt and Fool and Top Rut. And so as I'm on my uh, Hunt and Fool dashboard right now, I'm looking at some upcoming draw deadlines. So anyone that's listening, uh, Utah Big Game is coming up here March 4th, 2021. Um, you should get the Arizona Elk draw results back here shortly, probably even towards the end of this week and the next which I, I did apply for that, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, March 17th is New Mexico big game, and then April 1st is Montana elk and deer. So those are some important deadlines that are coming up if you're looking to plan your Western hunt for this year. So don't miss out. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW. That'll save yourself 20% off of the app. And Tethered. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. And I'm using the Phantom Saddle System with a Predator platform for all my mobile hunts. And actually, I, I'm pretty sure I just locked it in today that I'll be, I was planning on having my own booth again at the Total Archery Challenge in Seven Springs, but due to uh, some time and being able to get off of work at the beginning of it i think i'm just going to go down for the weekend and hang out at the tethered booth so i'll be there recording podcasts hanging out with everyone shooting so definitely stop by the beginning of june and if you haven't already sign up the totalarcherychallenge.com well if you want to learn more about tethered and saddle hunting head over to tetherednation.com and Maven. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. The products are backed with a lifetime no-fault warranty and incredible customer experience. I'm using the B3 8x30s for all of my eastern adventures from whitetail, shed hunting, turkey hunting. They're super light, compact, and still has the same quality glass that are in some of their bigger optics. And uh, so if you want to check out Maven Optics for yourself, you can head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift on any full price optics order. And I do have Cade from Maven coming on next week to do a full Optics 101 podcast, so be looking out for that. 
And last but not least, Spartan Forge. So hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, and that's including GPS data, over 30 years of weather, academic and state research, they're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out movement for your specific hunting area. You can use the code East Meets West to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. So for this week's Mountain Buck story, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday over on social media, this story comes from Michael Feltz. And no, not Michael Phelps. This is Michael Feltz, different guy. Still incredible. Uh, so Michael wrote in to me on Instagram and s- sent a, a picture, which you can see over on, on the East Meets West Instagram and Facebook. But he wrote in, I killed this buck on public land deep in the George Washington National Forest during the Virginia late muzzleloader season. I owe a lot of the success to guys like you and the people you've had on your podcast, especially Nathan Killen. This season, I learned to read topo maps and started hunting particular terrain features. I picked this certain small saddle out on the map and still hunted from daylight to 10 a.m. until I made it to that location. When I got there, it just felt right. At 12.30, this buck came strolling through that saddle very casually. I was able to stop him at 20 yards broadside and made a perfect shot from the ground. Watched him go down. This was the hardest season I've hunted so far, bow season to late season, grinding, and it finally came together. Awesome story, Michael, and and a really great buck from deep in the, the National Forest in Virginia there. A true mountain buck and true mountain buck hunt. So thanks for sending that in. Anybody else want to share their mountain buck story? I'd love to be able to share it, so send that in. In other news, uh, I just released two new hats to the website, and these hats are... It's a couple of my favorite ones that I've released so far, and they're part of the Mountain Buck series. So using that Mountain Buck logo, and uh, the first one's called the Timber Cut Trucker, which utilizes the the most popular hat I've ever had, which was the Stealth Trucker hat. So it's a multi-cam hat that doesn't have the button on the top. So if you're wearing hearing protection or anything else, it doesn't press down on it and make it uh, difficult. Just ripstop material on the front ultimate it's my favorite hunting hat you'll see me wearing it all the time in the long haul film everything but anyways i took that platform that hat and i put the mountain bucks logo on it in a in a reverse etch leather patch i'm just i'm super pumped how this one turned out so check out the timber cut trucker and then also the saloon black leather patch trucker and this one is a gray base of the hat with a black bill and a black leather mountain buck patch on it. So it's a build on the Richardson 112 series, which is the infamous fitting hat that everyone seems to like. Um, you can check out both of those over eastmeetswesthunt.com slash shop. So check those out. I'll be honest. I haven't, uh, haven't been out in the woods at all yet. I mean, it's here we are. I'm recording this on March 1st and it's, this is late for me not to be in the woods, but the snow has just been incredible. I mean, we got more today and 
And uh, I got a bunch of other work to do at the house and with the business and everything else. So I'm trying to um, wait until the time's better to get my scouting in and get some of the other stuff done now. So around the house, but hopefully here in the next few weeks, be able to start getting out and then really, really hitting it hard. So, but as I said in the beginning here, I have Kirk Price on from the Untamed. Check out their YouTube channel. It's incredible. You hear all about it in this episode. So I hope that you enjoy it. All right, we're live. Kirk Price, what's going on, brother? Nothing much. Uh, I'm excited to be on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, welcome to the show. I, I, We were just talking before we got on here, but I met you in person, um, I don't know, just a little over a year ago now at the ATA show. And we hit it off there and, and was planning on being able to, you know, actually we were talking about even turkey hunting together last year and then kind of shit hit the fan a little bit with the coronavirus and everything else kind of got crazy. But, and, um, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for, for quite a while. So thanks for, you know, coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, the, the whole coronavirus definitely threw a screwing things last year it messed up our entire turkey season yeah i i can imagine did you so did, did you have plans to like hunt a bunch of other states or like what was yeah, your plan i was kind of uh i was more on the rebellious side and i was staying away from from everybody but i went ahead and took off to florida which was you know a lot of my family and friends weren't too happy about yeah <laughs> but uh, i got a buddy down there i stayed with and we, we just stayed at his house and stuff so like we weren't going out in public or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, I went, I went ahead and hunted Florida and then came back and uh, it just, you know, as far as filming and everybody else involved with the untamed, it kind of just messed it all up. So it really, we had plans on traveling all over the place and we ended up really just hunting West Virginia and, and like Kentucky and some States like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like even, I think it was Ohio. They even shut down being able to buy the non-resident uh, right. licenses. Cause I was planning on heading out there and, and didn't have an opportunity to or anything and definitely filled up the woods with a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know yeah. if you noticed that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, because, uh, I hunt during, I mean, I hunt all the time, I hunt during the week and I love hunting during the week on public land, especially like after that second week and stuff. Cause there's no one out there hardly. Yeah. But that just, you can forget that, (laughs) you know, but if you like, I caught wind that they were going to, when it all kicked off, that they were going to, uh, uh, close the license sales. And so I got on there and bought the license as soon as I thought they were going to do that. So, you know, they couldn't stop you if you'd already bought your license. Yep. I gotcha. Yeah. I, I I agree with the, the, the risk that, that you took going to those places. Cause like you're going to hunt, like you're not. You're not good. You're not going to a concert. You're not going to right. do anything. I, I, I would be in the I same would be boat. doing basically the same thing there as I was, you know, yeah. here. So it didn't, you know, I had, I had some restrictions with work that didn't allow me. And I'm like, it's not really worth me losing my job over. So that's where <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I kind of came down to it. Um, right. But anyways, before we get into this too far, Kirk, do you want to give a little background on who you are and uh, and also this crazy, amazing platform that you guys have created? Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess my name's Kirk Price. Uh, we started, uh, I know I mentioned it a minute ago, but we started The Untamed in 2018. 
uh, we're located in West Virginia. And uh, prior to The Untamed, I actually worked for Buck Commander, which I don't even know if you knew that. I didn't know that, no. Yeah, I worked for the TV show Buck Commander. Uh, I was in school at WVU, and uh, my sophomore year, they were starting like a new TV show called Finn Commander. And long story short, I knew a guy involved with it, and they were needing a camera guy like that. Now, I definitely was not the most qualified and didn't know much about cameras, but I filmed, but I was far from an expert. And uh, the fact that they needed the job, they needed somebody almost immediately. They hired me. Um, I sent them all my video and stuff, and they hired me. I moved down to Arkansas and uh, close to the Louisiana line, so I'd go back and forth. And, uh, yeah, I worked for Duck Commander, Buck Commander, uh, filmed their, their fishing show, Finn Commander. So I got my start down there filming. Oh, I, I had no idea that. So did you, yeah. did you finish college then? Yes. I, I, okay. So I, I did that for like um, a whole semester of school, went back to school and got a finance degree, which of course I don't use now at all, yeah. but, <laughs> but it made me feel good. And, uh, <laughs> and my parents. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, while I was in college, you know, I knew I, I wanted to stay into the hunting industry, do something like that. And so uh, I was like, man, I think this YouTube thing is going to pop off. Um, I had a feeling that like YouTube was going to be big in the hunting uh, side of things. Cause I knew like, you know, fishing, obviously that side of YouTube was already big. So uh, uh, <laughs> I just, I talked to, with a couple of my buddies and uh, we started the untamed, what you see now. Um, and my goal was to be, full-time doing it um just the untamed stuff by the time i graduated college so i had i mean i think i started at like the end of my junior year going into my senior year and then right towards the end i was able to so i graduated i started doing the untamed full-time okay i that that was gonna be my other question because i knew that you were doing that full-time now i just wasn't sure of how, what that timeline looked like right. there yeah and, and to be honest i didn't think we'd be able to do it but we just hit the ground running and uh we acted like we knew what we we're doing. We really didn't, but we figured out along the way. So. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's awesome. And so are all, so how many guys are, I guess, are, you know, partners of the Untamed or doing it with you? All right. So there's, there's two partners in the Untamed. There's, there's myself and Josh Hilderson. Of course, yep. you can see, yeah. you can see Josh and you saw him at the ATA. Yep. So. Yep. I've met Josh and talked to him a little so bit. We're, we're the, uh, the two owners, okay. but we don't have like, uh, I guess like a team of guys or like pro staff or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of, I don't want to say anti-pro staff, but like we just hunt and film with whoever. Like, yep. Like, like if you want to hunt with us or whatever, and you know, we're just normal guys. We hunt with our buddies. If it makes it on video, it does. If it does, it doesn't, you know, it's yep. not that big a deal. So we don't have like a, I guess a, a team. We're just, you know, we are yeah. who we are. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say I know that yeah, you you two guys are in just about, you know, every video there. And I figured right. you guys were kind of owners of it. And then, you know, a bunch of other people kind of filter in that right. are your buddies and stuff. And and I don't know him personally, but I'd I've talked to him quite a bit on social media, Trace Boone. And uh, I've actually asked him to come on the podcast before, and he's he's declined. He said he doesn't. Uh, he said he doesn't. Really? Do, he said he doesn't do well on on talking about you know talking about things like that. He goes, I can do it on video, and not really sure what's going on. But he goes like a podcast, asking questions. 
he goes, I, I struggle with it. And I, and I respected that, you know, I thought that was, that was right. humble of him to say I that. I can bring it out of him. Yeah. I can bring it out Well, keep, keep pushing on him. I want to, I want to talk to him listen, as well. Listen, I'm telling you right now, he is the deadliest man on for whitetail. Yeah. The deadliest man in, in West Virginia. Yeah. He, he's I mean, incredible. I, the deer he's killed for his age. I mean, it might be unheard of across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, just the way he goes about it and his dedication to it is, I mean, there's people that talk about being really dedicated Yep. and there's people that really are. Yeah. And he's one that takes it to another level. Well, yeah, his results show, I mean, like yeah. it, there's no, no question about it. I mean, it, yeah. Right. And the stuff that he doesn't even put out there, that's just mind blowing. Like as far as uh, sheds he finds and stuff that he never posts on the internet because he doesn't want other people figuring out that he knows about this deer or that deer or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's, that is crazy. But yeah, with your back to your channel a little bit there, I, I like the, the aspect of you just getting your buddies together and doing, I mean, it, it makes you, it makes it feel uh, relatable, I guess is the right. best, best way to do that. And I mean, obviously your channel, if you're just starting it in 2018 is, pretty amazing because i i don't remember how but i found your channel right when it started and i remember i remember looking at it and being like the production quality of this is incredible and you you guys were like brand new didn't have very many subscribers nothing and now here we are a couple years later and you're at one hundred seven thousand subscribers i look at your youtube right now it's incredible yeah yeah it was uh I really just my my start with with buck commander gave me a really good foundation mm-hmm. and then uh uh as far as growing the channel like staying persistent mm-hmm. you know and it's just what you've done i mean i remember when you started your podcast you started after we had launched yep not not long after but after yep and uh when you came out with the east meets west and uh it's just saying persistent a lot of guys start stuff but they don't continue i mean you know i mean i know you get it yeah it's just a constant grind like you scheduling this zoom call you know you're and you what do we schedule this like 20 days out or something yeah like that. yep and i know you've probably got people already past me lined up yep so yeah people that's... don't you know you, you don't you don't see and think about all those things but there's a lot that goes into it yeah i i think in in my opinion with any part of this content creation really any business it's it's go just continually grinding at it you know you're never gonna you're not gonna jump right to the top at the beginning you know it doesn't yeah some grow faster than others but the ones that stick around are the ones that eventually make it i've i've noticed that like even through social media like you'll have people go super hard and do stuff for a while and they get burned out and can't you know it can't really go much further with it but yeah we did start because i started in 2018 as well but i wasn't till like the summer I think right. is when uh, I launched this, but yeah, I think it. I think it's pretty cool. I think what makes your channel stand out, from my opinion, is it's different. Um, and you guys focus a lot on your home state of West Virginia, which I think is is pretty cool. And just your your style of hunting, everyone's having fun doing it. You guys are always joking with each other, having a good time, and and you know, I, I think. Um, I, yeah, I really think that's what helps it stand out from from the outside looking in. Um, that's it's it's one of the the channels that I pay attention to. I don't take in a ton of other content 
very much, but when I get time, there's a few YouTube channels that I pay attention to and like watching the videos and you yeah. guys are on that list. I appreciate it. And it's yeah. hey, it's tough in our line of work. Like yeah. people were asked, do you watch this channel? Do you watch that channel? I'm like, to be honest, no, because yeah. this is all I do when I'm done. I don't want to, I don't want to watch. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, man. It's, it's, it's pretty cool, but you, um, you know, outside of, uh, well, actually through the Untamed, but I saw that you guys recently, you know, my podcast East meets West had a lot of it had started about, you know, planning Western hunts and doing things. And what I thought was cool was recently you guys took, I know, I think you've, you've been out West lion hunting before. Well, obviously if I look on the yeah, back of your computer Mexico. screen right now, there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a mountain lion on the wall, but, uh, <laughs> but you, you take a, a lot of what you do in West Virginia with hunting with dogs and everything, and then took them right. out West to a, a whole bigger scale. So would you, I want to hear about your recent hunt. I, I didn't ask you about it and I didn't really pay attention if you did talk about it because I wanted to hear it right from your mouth uh, okay. on here. So explain so, a little bit about that. A, a kind of a, a back, you know, background on the dogs. Um, so when I, I got into it, um, the guys that I hunt with now, they were, we were running our dogs on Bobcat here locally in West Virginia, because obviously there's no, like, there's no mountain lions to train here. You know? yeah. <laughs> like what people say, they're not here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they might pass through. I'm not denying that, but, but they're not here. Uh, but we, we run Bobcats. So we can basically, when there's snow on the ground, we'll go out and look for tracks. And uh, I mean, we'll drive. Sometimes they're out moving well, and sometimes they're not. It can take hours to find a track, but we'll take the dogs and uh, just kind of sick them on the track. And, uh, they, they figured, they figured out pretty quickly, um, that scent. And of course we got older dogs that help train the younger ones by going on it. But we, we, we train our dogs on bobcats and then take them out West. Now, as far as the public land goes, like that we hunt when we go out West. So we don't hunt with outfitters or anything like that, but, the guy, and of course, I, I, I can't take credit for it, but one of the guys that we hunt with, Chad, had went out west. They just found an area on a map and just, you know, let's go there and drive around and see if there's, there's snow and see if we can find a cat track. And eventually, through trial and error, st stumbled into uh, a place to hunt. And it's an area we still go back to today. Um, and then this year, we tried a brand new area. We went to Arizona. Um, because New Mexico, a bunch of the units there were already, the quotas were already filled. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we loaded up and, and went to Arizona and, uh, we hunted, uh, one section of public. So I, I stayed out there for two weeks and we hunted one section of public, um, with a guy that actually Trace met at Yellow. He was at Yellowstone National Park and ran into a guy and that guy was like, Hey, uh, they literally met each other for like 30 minutes while they were glassing some wolves on a kill. And, uh, he's like, man, he's like, you all, he, they started talking about mountain lion hunting. He's like, I've never done it, but, uh, I know an area where there's some at, if you ever want to come hunt Arizona. Well, he's like, we're going to take you up on that. <laughs> so Trace wasn't even able to go. And we drove 30 hours to Arizona and met some random dude we'd never met before. And he's like, I've seen some tracks here. And the dude was super cool. His name's Brian. He was awesome. And uh, we struck out. We didn't do any good. Uh, it was constant snow, the most snow I've ever dealt with. And we're looking for tracks. 
And when you're dealing with constant snow like that, the tracks are constantly getting covered up. Yep. So, I mean, I'm talking like three, three to four feet of snow. I mean, ridiculous. And we could hardly get around. So then, uh, the guys I was out there with, they headed home and I met Josh and another buddy of ours. They were coming out to hunt and we went to another area and, uh, we were able to get on cats there. Um, we ended up treeing. Well, the first one we bait up and we all had tags and I, I, I mean, you see the one behind me, I killed that one last year. And I wasn't really interested in killing one just because I had just killed one. And there were some guys there that hadn't killed one. Uh, and uh, we ended up, the very first one, uh, my dog, uh, Bliss, she bathed the line up on the edge of this giant canyon uh, wall. I mean, it was like like a 300-foot drop off. Mm-hmm. She bathed this cat up, and uh, which if you're not familiar with that means, it's basically like the cat's not in a tree. It's on the ground, and the dog's in the cat's face barking so it's a pretty intense situation yeah. because you know that's not something you deal with in west virginia and i've seen videos of that but like i was like wait if i shoot this thing is it not going to fall off this wall <laughs> you know because i was like and then it's gone you know i don't know what happens then so i'm in this situation and it's just me our camera guy and uh you know i've got a gun there <laughs> and i'm just the, i've got the dog i've got her pulled back so anyways, we come up with a game plan. I, uh, I shot the cat through, you know, through the lungs, the shoulders, and we stepped to the side of it. When we did that a shot and the cat leaps off and not off the canyon edge, it leaps towards us and goes off. And uh, I, I ended up putting a follow-up shot on it and killing it. But uh, it was a pretty wild experience. Being from West Virginia, you know, you just don't see stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I hadn't, like I said, I was not interested in killing one because I had just killed one the year before. And I was like, man, I may never get the chance to kill a cat bait up on a cat, you know, on a canyon wall like that again. So I was living for the experience of it. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Did um so how do you go about like finding the tracks? Are you driving roads? Are you hiking? Like what are you doing for that? So we are uh you can you can do both. Now we primarily, I would say ninety-five percent of the time are driving roads. Yep. And if it's a if it's a piece of public that's getting hammered uh, with a lot of other hunters, basically it's like say there'll be a fresh snow on uh, in the evening time, starting like six o'clock, whatever, and it snows, and there's there's fresh tracks. I mean, there's there's if it snows over, you know, we try to be the first ones in there. So like last year, uh, we killed two lines in New Mexico, and uh, we got up, I think we started looking for tracks at like 2 a.m. So you're starting way before light and you're getting out there because the biggest thing is finding the track. Once we have the, once we have the track, the line's in trouble because we'll either walk the track out until the dogs can take it out of there or the dogs, you know, one way or another, we're going to put it in a tree or bay it up. You know, we won't, we won't give up on it. Uh, so yeah, most of the time you're, you're driving and looking for tracks. And uh, this year we found all three um tracks we so we we ended up after the one i killed we treed a uh, another one and we were able to sex check it and it was a female so we pulled the dogs back and let it go and then we ended up um treeing on on the last day we ended up treeing uh a monster tom i mean boone and crockett its teeth it, it didn't have any canines left in its teeth uh the teeth that you have to let the dnr uh there take 
to, to age it. They were gone. I mean, this was an old, old Tom. We probably did him a favor because he had to be struggling to, to eat. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we, we killed that Tom, but yeah, we found all three of them by driving and checking roads and you're looking, I mean, you can imagine of how many different tracks you're looking at. You're looking at elk, you're looking at mule deer, you're looking at bobcat. Uh, there was even wild horses in this area. Uh, javelina. Uh, there's so many different tracks, but you start to be able to pick out even from a distance of, of what's track is what, by the way, if it's dragging its feet, you know, a cat typically doesn't drag its feet. It picks them up yep. and places them down. So there's a lot to it, but I've learned, you know, in the last few years how to do it. Yeah. Well, obviously that's, <laughs> that's pretty yeah. cool. And, and I had just actually just, someone sent me a video on Instagram this morning of dogs baying up a lion on the edge of this, on the edge of this like cliff. That was, it was crazy. Like, I mean, the dogs are right in its face. Like, yeah, dogs have some balls, I guess. <laughs> oh, it, it's intense. I mean, and what's crazy is the, the dog of mine that, that had the cat, she's by herself, which adds a whole other element to it. Because people are, I got people asking me, they're like, why is a 150-pound cat afraid of a 40-pound dog? Yeah. And I'm like, that's a good question. I don't I don't know which, I don't know how to answer that, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they take down elk and stuff, but they're afraid of a 40-pound dog. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because the dog seems fearless. Uh, yeah. But uh, she, my the, the dog that, that caught the line, she's also my house dog. I mean, she sleeps in the bed with me every night. Uh, I take her to the park. I mean, I do everything with her. So it's funny to see her in those crazy, intense situations. And then she's, you know, I mean, she's literally in the living room right now. Yeah. <laughs> on the couch, probably. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to it. I love, that's my favorite kind of hunting is mountain lion. I mean, yeah, it sounds intense. Like it just, yeah, it's, it is. It sounds, but it can be very, very boring. I mean, I've, we, we've hunted before like that first week. I mean, just imagine driving around with your head down, looking at, at snow nonstop and not finding any tracks. It's horrible. Yeah. But I'd get out and walk canyons and stuff like that. Uh, because what I found with cats is they seem to really like the, to walk the edge of canyons. And I guess they can look down in there. Uh, they got a good vantage point, but they seem to like to walk the edges of them. So I, I walked quite a few in areas we couldn't drive to. I'd get out and walk the edges of canyons and stuff like that. And I ended up finding on on uh, one of the cats, it was pretty crazy. I found a mule deer shed, which you can see it. Yeah. I know the listeners won't be able to hear it, but it, it's right, oh, right there. Yep. It, I got it laying underneath the cat mount. I found this huge mule deer shed uh, and the cat had stepped on it in the snow and I was looking for track to track to track and there's probably a foot of snow and I just happened to see tines sticking up. So that's, I think, I I don't know if you had it on your Instagram story or something. I I remember seeing that. I was like, that is, that is really cool. Yeah, it it was. I mean, literally I picked the shed up and I didn't even, I was so like overwhelmed that I didn't notice it when I picked it up. But when I picked it up and because I videoed it, there was the cat track stayed on the antler as I lifted it up. <laughs> I was like, that is crazy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I like how you have it sitting up there on the mount yeah. now too. <laughs> yeah. I got it laying up there. It's too big. I want to prop it up where you can see it, but it's literally too big. I mean, when I picked it up, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Is there, is there a lot of hunting pressure um, for people looking for cats? Uh, No, not really. Um, I would, <laughs> 
it it would be you know depending on the areas but man the most cad hunters i've seen in a day and i would consider i would say you know trucks i've seen probably two or three different trucks in one day and that was like the most ever you know not a lot of people do it. yeah especially what well, you should see the look on those guys face when they see west virginia tags out there with the, with our dogs <laughs> they're like what are these rednecks doing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah are they lost or what <laughs> right right oh that's pretty cool and then they definitely don't think we're going to, you know, have success. <laughs> yeah. And, that, but, and yeah, you, so, and is it your dogs? Um, uh, well, this, we're going to, I told you we're going to talk about this in a whole different episode because it's a whole nother topic, but same dogs track or bears too, right? In West Virginia. Yep, we bear hunt them, uh, bobcat hunt them. Uh, some of them we, we coon hunt. Uh, we call them meat dogs. You know, if we put them on it, we're going to, we're going to catch something. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I, 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 I've never been around, uh, those types of hunts, but it always seems like it's, it's a whole nother dynamic of like the relationship between yourself and your dogs and like how they yeah. work. And it's just, it's, it's really interesting to me. I, I, I look yeah. forward to learning more about it. I just think that's really I, cool. And I, I had the same perspective you did. I did not grow up in a hound hunting family at all. I went bear hunting one time and was like, I'm getting a dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. that's, so that's how you did it. You just went and got yeah. a dog and I, I literally, I mean, I looked down almost and I, I'm, I don't care to say this now, but I almost had a negative look on it yep. because I was like, man, I don't need dogs to catch game. You know, yeah. that's seriously how I looked. I was like, these guys are just lazy. And I'm in the best shape of my life right now because of hound hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, I bet. I, I bet, like, yeah, following, how, like, how long, okay, say if, you, like, the line that you had, how far did you follow those tracks this year um, before you ended up him getting bayed? Uh, so the one that we bayed up, I would say we probably went five or six miles on that one. And that was from the point I found the track. There's not roads all over the place. Like in West Virginia, it might be the same way up there where, you, where you're at in Pennsylvania. But in West Virginia, there's a there's a road in the bottom of the holler on the ridges. You know, it's hard to get away from a road. Yeah. And uh, there, there's main, you know, there's some main drags and stuff around these canyons, but there's a lot of open area where there's no roads. So you're on foot. Um, and if the dogs make a lose, which means that they've had trouble with the track and can't figure out which way it's went or something, I want to be there to help them just to keep it moving. Yep. So I figured that as soon as when I cut a dog loose, I'm following behind it. And every cat that we 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 treat, we treat the two and then bait the one. And I went the full t- full race with the dog. So uh, and, and then the so we we treat uh, the one that we let go, and then. Uh, later that day is, is when we killed the bigger Tom. So we actually treat two in one day and both times I went and I looked at my phone at the end of the day. And by the time we got out of there, it was 10 o'clock and I had done like 17 miles according to my phone. Through the snow and through the snow. Yeah. That, yeah. That's not I easy mean, walking. No, it, it, but it was worth every second of it. I do it again tomorrow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and yeah, I could like, doing that for a couple weeks like that uh, you're out there for holy yeah you would i'd be losing some weight doing that right well i'll tell you right now when i got when i was in college and this is before i started hound hunt i didn't really get into hound hunting until we started the untamed and uh it's like 2018 yes uh, not that long i was ago. like i was like 180 pounds and now i'm down to like 155 
<laughs> and I'm telling you, it's because of Hound on it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so to transition a little bit out out of uh, Western hunting, I want to talk about West Virginia and one of and some of there's a, there's a few videos on your channel that I've watched more than once, and and it relates to whitetail hunting there and how you guys are really truly mixing a lot of western hunting tactics with yeah. with hunting whitetails in the the mountains of West Virginia and I think that is incredible. So tell me a little bit about like the types of areas that that you hunt there. So uh you and you'll see it a lot on our channel. We really like strip mines, so reclaim mines. Mm-hmm which is obviously it's not natural terrain for West Virginia. Um, down here when the part of West Virginia we're in is what they consider cold country. And there is a lot of, it's referred to as like mountaintop removal, strip mining. Um, but there's a lot of that around and it's basically, you know, it's basically like Western hunting. Um, but here in West Virginia, uh, cause just spotting and stalking glassing and, it's addicting because like once you do that you do not want to get in a tree yeah. i'm telling you i mean it's so much more fun to get out and for us for me it is at least uh to get out you know right at daylight there and just start glassing glassing all over the place and then oh there's a big buck with a dog and ch- taking off in a ghillie suit and trying to kill it yeah. you know I, I don't get me wrong i love i love like we of course we're, we're big into saddle hunting now yeah um and we went out to Missouri this year and saddle hunted and we saddle hunt in West Virginia too. But, uh, there's a time and a place for it, but most of the time we're on the ground and one, cause we love doing it. And two, because it's entertaining content. I mean, people, yeah. that's the stuff they want to see us doing. So oh my. we don't mind doing it. Yeah. I, I, I hear you there. So like, why, why do the deer like those strip mines or those reclaimed mines? Um, if they're, if they've recently, like they call it like hydro seeding, if they've recently, uh, stripped it and there's green grass grown up on it, there'll be clover. There'll be a mixture of like, they call it like hydro seed. There'll be a mixture of all kinds of different seed. And I don't know anything about food plots or anything like that, Yeah. but I know something that's grown in there. I'm guessing it's the clover those deer love. So they'll really hit those areas. Um, there's also, and I, <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with them. The autumn olives. I'm sh- I'm sure. You, do y'all have any of those up there? I don't. I don't think I know what that is. Okay. Uh, they planted them all over, and I'm pretty sure it's illegal now to uh, to plant them on strips. They're like a they're a non-native uh, type of plant, uh, and they're thick, and it just provides a ton of cover for the deer. But what happens is it's so thick and it grows so well um, that it just takes over a whole strip. So it's like, we're constantly changing the places we're hunt, we're hunting because the strip grows up and eventually almost becomes unhuntable unless you're hunting out of a tree uh, on the edges of it, because there's no mature trees to even get in. Yeah. Even with a saddle. Uh, so it, I don't know what it is about the strips other than, you know, which of course they've got food, they've got cover. And uh, it's like some type of break in terrain. They like getting out there and chasing those and stuff where they can see. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of different things going on there. Yeah. And uh, I love it when they're out there because that's the most fun. Yeah. So it, like, so it sounds like there's like certain types of those that, that you're more focused on as they get older. They're not as 
They're not it seems like it, right? Yeah, right. The fresher they are, the better. Uh, you got, of course, you got all that fresh growth coming up. Yep. And there's still, of course, there's obviously there's brows and stuff on those older strips, but it's 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 strange because you're constantly changing the places you're hunting as these strips grow up and get older and stuff like that. Yeah. And your tactics change as the as the property matures. Yep. And are these are these strips uh, typically on public land? Or are they on private? Like uh, how how? Um, so West Virginia is very confusing as far as this aspect and as it goes, there is public um, that has strips on them uh, that that are, that are strip property. But there's also what they call down here. Um, they call it like like they refer to it as coal property. So it's basically. Uh, a coal mine has once had it, or they still do have it, but they don't care if people got there and hunt. There's not an inch of it posted, um, and the DNR don't care if you hunt it. And, but it's not technically public land, so yep. it's kind of a, it's, it's in a strange place, to be honest with you, because technically in West Virginia you have to have written permission to hunt private land. But it's basically like private land for the locals that the locals know about, but it's not on any type of DNR website or anything like that. Yep. And no one really knows about it unless you live there. Well, you know, I, that's that is relatable to Pennsylvania because we have okay. a, we have a lot of private lands that are owned by timber companies that are owned by right. gas companies that are open to to public hunting. And and here, I mean, if something's not posted, you can technically hunt it. Um, it's yeah. not not as doesn't need the really written permission, but um, you know typically you can even find that information on their website like if you look up say you get on onyx and it shows you all right um this is owned by seneca resources well you can go and they they'll have even sections on their website to talk about that that's like one of their thing i don't think it's a tax break or what what goes on but they let people use it for recreational use including hunting and but i i like that because yeah not not as many um out-of-staters or people that aren't yeah. local know about it you know they, they know the the national forest you know the state forest state game lands but when it comes to those pieces it's different and and those are always seem to be managed better in my opinion just because they for us they cut them a lot more there's a lot more logging going on which it sounds similar to to the way strips are as far as like those newer ones are growing up food you're getting because they're getting more sunlight all this stuff and the, sometimes they'll put you know gas lines through it and now after they do a lot of that stuff and tear it up they plant it with clover and 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 different types of seeds like i don't like like you said i don't know exactly what they're putting there but deer seem to seem to like it and right. just creates that diversity in that cover slash food as well so right but yep yeah that that's exactly i mean and and what's funny is there's guys around here that call it public land. I'm like, that is not public land. Yeah. I don't care how you spin it. Technically, it's private because show, go, go on the West Virginia DNR website and show me where the maps are that says you can, you know, I just don't think it's, a, it is kind of like public land because everybody locally knows about it. Mm -hmm. But like, you can't come down here unless I tell you about it and show you where it's at. Yeah. Because it just gets confusing how it all works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, d definitely. I, I think. And and that's a, I mean like a little bit similar to to here too because like if if I see on a property like it's a, a landowner's name even though that you could the way the law is written be able to hunt it I don't go on their property but when it's right. like something that's 
uh, you know, gas company, timber company. Yeah. Yeah. Land company. Then that's a, that's a different story. Right. But, right. And it's kind of a fine line because you're like, I mean, you just got to kind of, I mean, you got to kind of be educated on it. Yeah. Right. You don't, you don't want to be tromping through there and then you're really not, but they don't want you on it or something. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, that, that's, that's really interesting. And I, and I had a feeling there was something, kind of that was something weird going on in west virginia down there there's a lot there's a lot of things weird going on in west virginia but absolutely (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just messing with you but they um yeah that's 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 really interesting to me and and the the spot and stock uh spot and stock aspect of it is so cool like that's one of my favorite things i've learned about hunting out west when i first started elk hunting i was hunting like dark timbered areas where you're just kind of going through bugling and doing that and that's fun but once i started when i went to idaho and started hunting more open country where i could sit behind the glass and watch like that is awesome and this year i'm going to do i actually haven't talked about it all on the podcast yet but i changed gears instead of doing an elk hunt because i don't think i'm going to be able to draw it this year like i originally thought i'm going to spend some points and hunt high country mule deer in Colorado. And I'm looking forward to that spot and stock aspect yeah. of it. You know, would that be a, uh, would that be a rifle or a bow hunt? A bow hunt. Yeah. Okay. That one, that one will be a bow hunt and, um, you know, up anywhere from 11 to 13,000 feet way up there in the mountains. And, and, uh, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I've never done a mule deer hunt like that, but a couple of my buddies have done it and they're, they're obsessed with it and they're like, Oh, you're, you're going to love it if you like glassing and, and, yeah. you know, trying to put stocks on and everything. So when, when you find like a, um, a buck, are you looking for bucks that are bedded? Are you looking for them chasing does? Like how, how do you determine on what you can actually make a move on? It has more to do with the terrain. Um, as far as if, if, if I'm gonna make a stock on it, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, it depends on where they're at as far as if it's public and uh, it's, it's kind of tough. Basically if I see one's bedded and I feel like I can get over top of him, probably get him to stand up or something. Cause usually you're coming from the top. Um, I'll make a move on him just about every time if he's bedded and just take my time and try to inch my way in. Um, if they're chasing, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I've had crazy stuff happen and I'll just keep moving, slipping in, slipping in. Cause you can have one run right by you. Uh, it's, it's all, it's all just situational though. If I feel like say it's a, it's private. Um, and I'm iffy about it. I might just sit back and watch the deer, you know, and, and try to determine, okay, where did he, he just stepped in the woods right there. Oh, he's bedding down in there somewhere. And he comes up out of there. I might try to learn about him. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, if I think it's public and I'm like, man, this deer may not be here tomorrow. Somebody's going to come right up here and push him out or something. I might get aggressive and do something dumb that I shouldn't have done Yeah, because it's public, you know? Yep. So it's just all situational. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure you, you learn by messing up a lot of them too. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. With spot on stock, it seems like you mess up more than you, uh, you, you succeed on, you know? Yeah. But like, I don't know. There's something about when you can see them like that, you always feel like you're in the game a little bit or like I don't right. know, more than when I'm in a tree and I'm in my saddle and I can see a total of 20 yards in any direction it's very easy to feel like you're the only only animal anywhere within miles of you. Right. <laughs> right. That's and that's another thing I like about glass and spot and stalking. It's like 
it just doesn't seem like it gets boring. There's always something to do. There's always something to glass, you know? Yeah. So, and like this year, uh, talking about getting aggressive, I saw a doe. It was around the 20th of November and I saw a doe running around in a thicket. I mean, I could tell she was being chased by something. I had no idea what, and, uh, me and my cameraman, we beelined to the, to the thicket and it was in those autumn olives I'm talking about. So you, I mean, if you're, you can't walk through them, they're so thick, but the deer can get in and out between and stuff. And, uh, I had a nice buck come running by and chasing her. And, uh, I drew back and he was actually, I've never taken a frontal shot before on a deer. And he was probably, I believe like 15 yards. And right before the arrow hit him, it's something, I don't know if it was the grass twig or what, but it, it caused the air to deflect left of him. And he ran out, stopped, turned broadside. I knew it didn't hit him. And, and, and uh, he was around 30 yards. Well, I could have drew back and, and, and shot him again. But as a corner of my eye, I see a buck running. And it's an even bigger buck beelining dead at me. And uh, I, I should have drew immediately as soon as I saw him, but I'd never been in that situation. He was coming to join in with this and their turn ended up being like three or four bucks on her. <laughs> he was coming in to join in with the party. And uh, I, I basically froze up. I, sh- I mean, like I said, I should have drew back immediately, but I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, He comes and I'm not kidding. He locks it up. The video makes it look further, but he was about five yards away running dead at us. It was going to hit us. And, uh, I tried to, he, he locked it up. And as he locked it up, I tried to draw back and I gave him the, you know, the famous man, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's just kind of an example of just getting aggressive and just saying, screw it. Let's go see what happens. Yeah. Let's get in. And the there was bucks all over me. I mean, I could have easily killed one right there. Yeah. It just didn't pan out. <laughs> that's, and it's, it's so easy to think you should have did something different, you know, afterwards looking back right. on it, it's, I, I had that situation. I was hunting off the ground this year and this buck that I was hunting, the number one deer I was hunting, came full on sprinting, chasing a doe. The doe literally almost ran me over, and I went right to full draw. I didn't know he was coming behind her. It's just this doe just comes sprinting, and I'm like, all right, something's happening. And a little four-point comes out right behind her, and then here he comes. And and I stopped him with the famous Matt, but he was in some brush. Yeah. And I was using that Garmin uh, range find bow sight, and yeah. I couldn't get a range because of the brush. And all I have, it's so easy for me to think about it now, but all I do is tap that button one more time and it gives me fixed pins. And he was so close that it was a no brainer of how far he was. And I had a gap in there. I just couldn't get a good range because probably I was shaking so bad, but, um, and I had my whole entire sight picture on his vitals and I paused. I mean, he only stopped for like two seconds, but it, all these things run through my head and they takes off after the doe again. I never even released an arrow and, and then he's running away and I got to come up, but he's running straight away from me. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I just wanted to cry. And, you know, like looking back on it, there's so many things that I should have did, or I know I should have did. And, and it's, it's hard in that moment to, right. You just don't know how it's going to unveil itself to you. Yeah. And once the moment's gone, it's gone, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And of course, as they say, hindsight's 2020. Yeah, exactly. So, so I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause yeah, I've, I've been in a lot of those situations and that's cool. I didn't know that's something I was worried about. Of course I saw those sites when they first came out and I was like, that's wicked. But I didn't realize 
is it like digital fixed pins on them? Yeah. So like you, you sight in for those fixed pins and um, so you can choose what the yardage is of them. So I had like a 20, 30, 40 and, or no, I have 25, 35, 45 and 60 is what I had on my pins. And, and like I said, all you have to do is double tap it. So if you don't get the, the range, then it operates as a normal bow sight. But the only thing with technology is it does require thinking and I'm not always the best thinker in those <laughs> moments, you know? And, uh, all right. so it's not the, f- the site's fault. It was 110% mine, but in, in reality, if I would be thinking about it again too, even if I couldn't get those pins to come up, I have, I know where that pin is like visually on the site picture of practice right. enough that I should have just shot with the blank, you know, instinctively and, who knows? Probably would have been all right. I mean, it ended up working out okay for me later in the year. Right. But look what you killed. Yeah. And hey, hey, I just watched. Of course, I watched the film when you came out with the man. That was awesome. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah. yeah, that that would have been. Which the film wouldn't wouldn't have happened if I would have killed that deer because it was before I had uh, the camera man Justin out there with me and everything. So there wouldn't have been a full story behind it, but. Right. And yeah. This, okay. Didn't you mention that something along the lines of, I think you mentioned something about a, 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 you had a mishap with a deer in the film or something. Like oh yeah. That. that was a different one. I missed one with a rifle. <laughs> okay. I missed one with a rifle. Um, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. I missed one with a rifle at like 60 yards. It was right at first light. And um, I still don't know what happened there. I found a hole where I hit a tree and there was, there was definitely more brush cause it was, it was well into shooting light, but I was in some thick hemlock, so light wasn't getting through as much. And I just saw his antlers coming through, and I pulled up where I thought was right behind the front shoulder. I was steady. I was sitting on the ground, and I, I don't know what happened, but uh, I definitely hit a tree. And there was there was some little branches that could have deflected it. I'm not. I don't know what happened. If it was me or if it was the the branches, but I'm glad I ended up missing it. Cause I know he wasn't as, that one wasn't as big as the one I shot. The first one that I had with, with my bow drawn back on, he was bigger than the one I killed. Really? Yeah. So oh. that's, but he, I, I shouldn't even say this on here. Cause I've been having problems with people following me recently. And, uh, but he, I'm pretty sure he made it through the season. So, Hey, Hey, let me, let me, let me tell you a hint. You have a, is it, you have a, is it your girlfriend, fiance? What is My it? girlfriend, yeah. Girlfriend, okay, maybe fiance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so I'm recently married, but I mean we've been date we dated for a long time. But I take my wife's car, and uh, if I'm going somewhere where I know I'm going to be exposed, which one thing I don't have any untamed stickers on my truck. Now when I got a dog box back there, people know it's me. Uh, there ain't no hiding it because I got this big, you know, you know, <laughs> I got this big dog box and there's yeah. no hiding. Yeah. And uh, I'll take her car and it's got girly stickers on it and stuff. And I'll take a uh, a bag and put it in the window like it's broke down and pull it off the side of the road somewhere and stuff <laughs> just to completely throw people off. That's so yeah. good. But yeah. My dad has a whole separate vehicle that he uses. Um, for, yeah. And my mind, I'm so dumb for it because like my truck is so recognizable and I do have my sticker, my website on it. So like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm shooting myself in the foot. I get it. But like, I remember no one time out. I came out to the gate and there's a little car sitting there next to it. And this younger guy jumps out and he's like, are you Bo? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I follow you on Instagram, man. Is this where you hunt? And I'm like, no. Well, yeah, I got my, bow. <laughs> right. I got my bow in my hand. Like I, 
<laughs> yeah, that's kind of. I was like, I'd really appreciate yeah. it if you kept this to yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right, no doubt, and that and that's a good thing. You know, that shows like, hey, you're doing something when people are 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 you know, yeah, they're coming up to you and saying that. I had a guy send me a video the day after I shot my buck, that one that's in the film of my gut pile. Oh my! Literally God. sent me a video of it. He's like, I didn't know you hunted here. I'm like, oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'd say the river is what got you in trouble. That it that the river definitely got me in trouble. It, it just narrows it down, you know. I know. It, Trust me, there's people out there that are looking for any little smidge of a detail. Yeah, and and now like when I do, um, like Onyx videos and stuff, and I'm doing scouting videos, I never do them in any areas where I'm actually hunting because. And I'll get people like, oh, I hunt the same area. And it's really, it's a random spot that looks similar to the types of things yeah. that I hunt. And, and that's, that's fine now because I did the mistake of, I did an Instagram story for Onyx before on scouting and I used all of the real maps and I got rid of the core. I got rid of the coordinates and everything, but like you could tell the shapes of the clear cuts. I had four different people send me the location. They literally went and looked online and tried to figure out where I was at. And I'm like, come on guys. Let's yeah. See, see, here, here's, here's where they're not being smart. I would just keep that to myself. Once I figured it out, yeah. and just be like, yeah, post away, man. I'm, I'm interested now. Yeah. I know where you're at. <laughs> Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Hey, I had, a, I had a similar experience with, I was lazy. And a lot of times on video, I'll describe, like I was turkey hunting last year on a lake in Tennessee. And uh, of course, if you go look at our YouTube channel, you'll figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I was lazy and I was talking about where, like the I, what I was doing. I was sneaking in here, doing this, whatever, trying to get in for daylight. And uh, I showed the mapping on the computer. Now, instead of going and finding, because of how I described it, I wanted, I, I, I couldn't find a place similar without really looking. Yeah. And so I used exactly where I was hunting. And a guy figured it out. That was also from this, the same state, Tennessee. And he ended up finding, now this is crazy. He found, I have a, a Vortex Venom sight on my shotgun, and it has a rubber cover over it. Well, somewhere walking through the woods, I dropped that rubber cover. And he found it and sent me a message and sent it to my house. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I'm from West Virginia, and he's from Tennessee. He watches our videos. I, had, I was like, I was extremely thankful. I thought yeah. that was so cool that he did that. Yeah. But then yeah. I was like almost disturbed you know yeah <laughs> i was like there is nowhere you can go without someone knowing yep <laughs> so i mean i i probably won't go back and hunt it so i really don't care now but i thought it was i thought it was just mind-blowing i mean he he figured out where it was and then i'm sure i was walking a trail that i guess everybody walks uh and he found my rubber cover that's hilarious it, and he even said he's like do you have a vortex venom you know side on your gun and i was like i do he's like i've got your cover <laughs> <laughs> i i had this this past fall i was i was um the hunting public came up the guys came up here in pennsylvania to hunt and um i met up with them for a night and i didn't hunt with them but we just hung out at camp and then i had people ask me hey like like 
after I posted in the story, I was at camp with them. They're like, are they hunting here? Are they hunting here? It looked like in this story or this, that they were here. And like, there were so many people trying to figure out where oh, they were at. And I'm just I like, can't, <laughs> because they do nothing but public land and they go state to state and stuff like that. You know, I feel like they get harassed. Yeah. If they, if I, I, and I'm sure they do it and I haven't asked them, but I'm sure they do it. They delay stuff on purpose. That way it's not live and people can't drive around parking lots looking for where they're camped or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, That's disturbing. Because, but what's cool and, and what's cool about their content is they're hunting off so, so many different pieces of public land and they've gotten so good at it that uh, I feel like if they, they do burn a spot or, 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 or whatever, they share so much stuff that big whoop, if someone does figure it out, like they yeah. hunt so many different places, like, you know, it is what it is. Yep. I yeah I, I agree with that and but it's it's uh it's interesting I'm gonna have to get creative here this year and I don't know I might buy another vehicle beater or something that's uh, yeah hey I thought about it just every year going and buying a beater and swapping every year and not telling anybody what it is yep not yeah not telling anybody not posting about it maybe putting a pita sticker on the back I don't know doing something maybe some right. some uh, Patagonia or some hiking stuff on the back and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That would that would work for sure. Yeah, there we go. Maybe maybe what I need to do too is in the woods instead of wearing full camo, just like going through with like some tie-dye shirts on and stuff as I'm like walking or as I'm scouting, you know, like, oh I'm just looking for mushrooms, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um so I <laughs> shifting back to the the spot and stocks uh stuff, I, I want to hear another story from you of one of your favorite spot and stock stories in some of those those strip mines uh so one that comes to mind uh was i was i was hunting with trace and uh it was when we first started it was our first like first few spot and stocking videos when our videos just started taking off and it was in rut it's in november and i shot a buck uh we had glassed it and it actually came and walked right up to us. We hardly even moved. I mean, from the point we glassed it, it just happened to walk right underneath of us. I mean, we, we probably did move 50 yards or so, but I shot it and hit it high and hit it in no man's land. And I wasn't at a steep enough angle where we were on the ground and stuff. Uh, of course, we went back and looked for it, and I ended up jumping up out of its bed hours later, you know, no lung blood or anything like that, just a flesh wound. But after I shot it, we're like, okay, we're going to give that deer time. We're going to go and uh, – uh, see if we can't find another deer and trace still had a tag and uh we were glassing ended up finding a buck uh up on the hillside we saw him go up on the top of this knob and we assumed he bedded down or he was still up there so we both took our shoes off because when i spot and stock it drives people crazy anybody i'm hunting with i always want to take my shoes off because there is you can try to you can try to spot and stock any other way there is nothing more quieter than walking in your socks uh and i love doing it so i always carry an extra pair of socks in my my bag for just that reason because i always end up with wet feet yep <laughs> so we take our socks off and you can go watch the video i mean our show is taking our, our shoes off i mean yeah we take our shoes off not yeah off. and uh we crawl up on this hill and we see this buck bedded well you can see his you know his, his he's he's courting away from us in the bed and uh we hadn't you know i had never never even really considered or thought of it like there's some people and i didn't know this 
we had no idea. There's some people consider shooting a, be- a, a bedded buck unethical. And we had no idea that that was even a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so anyways, uh, he gets up there and we're 40 yards from it. And he's like, yeah, I can make a good shot on it. And uh, he shoots it and then it runs over the hill and he, and, and we were able to get above it again. And he took another follow-up shot. Both of them, both shots would have killed it. No question, but he was able to get another shot. So why not take it? Yep. And uh, he killed that buck. But uh, I just thought that was cool. We literally shot two bucks within an hour and a half of each other uh, in West Virginia, spotting and stalking. That's that's the one of the videos that I've watched multiple times. Yeah, that, it's it's incredible. And yeah, uh, I didn't, yeah the whole the whole thing about shooting a buck in the bed being unethical. I don't understand that at all. I don't either. I mean, I, I think that's actually, in my opinion, that is like one of the you've won, like you've won, like this buck feels like he's in a safe spot and you just snuck into his home and outsmarted him essentially. So like, I don't get that. What's, what's the difference? You want him to stand up, be on edge and then shoot. And then he ducks your arrow and you hit him. Like, I don't get it. Well, uh, an example is after that, I think it was the following year. There's another video on there. We were hunting public land and, uh, ended up, we were in there after this deer. We knew he was in the area and Trace and I were hunting and we spotted him. And I told Trace, I was like, listen, I mean, we discussed who was going to go after it. And I was like, listen, I consider you the better bow hunter and I'm definitely the better videographer. There's no question on that. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to sit here and video it and you go after it. So we're trying to, you know, and of course he's involved with the untamed. So I'm just trying to, I knew for our company, you know, wise, that was the best decision. Yep. So uh, we didn't flip a quarter or anything like that. I was like, go for it, man. This is a 170-inch West Virginia public land buck. And it ended up getting killed, so we know what it scored. It ended up, unfortunately, getting poached. But uh, he sneaks in, and, and he goes, works his way around. And we, we, when we saw it, it was bedded on the hillside. And uh, we glassed it, and, and he sneaks all the way around. I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm telling you, I, I get more tore up filming, like shaking-wise, and up buck fever, than I do actually – hunting and i have no idea why but i do and uh i guess because it's like i'm not in control or something but he comes in over top of it and he gets 35 40 yards from it i think is what it was and he doesn't have a clear shot of its vital so he tries to get to stand up he draws back you know gives it a couple whistles whistles the deer doesn't move and uh i you know i'm tore up because i knew he was drew back and he ends up letting off. I mean, he whistled like six or seven times. And if I remember correctly, he draws back again, like kind of regains himself. And the deer's still bedded underneath of him. And he gives it a, and the deer was obviously, it was on alert through all the whistles, but didn't know what was going on. And instead of standing up and looking around like you want him to do and boom, you know, releasing an arrow, the deer, and you can watch it. And he was on the trigger. I mean, he was squeezing as the deer came up and he lets an arrow go. But as soon as he lets the arrow go, the deer literally stands up out of his bed and is running as he's standing up. Like there was no standing pause and look around. It was up and gone. Gone. And, you know, I kind of learned there. I'm like, man, if you've got a clear shot of its vitals uh, and you feel like you're, you're confident that you can kill the deer cleanly. Yeah. And I, I really don't see what's what the big deal is. Yeah, I, I agree, man. That's. That's that's crazy, and then the fact that it ended up getting poached—that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was a whole ordeal. It was bizarre how it got killed, but uh, it is what it is. So I, I've noticed that 
um, in West Virginia, there's definitely some some big bucks being killed and everything. Was that is that always the has that always been the case, or is that kind in, of? Yes, uh, in in Southern West Virginia. Um, so, like, I think in the '80s, they closed down. Um, they closed down hunting, uh, whitetail hunting. I believe it was in four counties altogether. I mean, completely. And I, and I, you know, don't hold me to this exactly. This is regurgitated information. So I could be off a little bit. I believe it was the eighties. Um, they closed down white to hunting. There was like no deer at all. And you had, I mean, to see, I've had people tell me to see a deer track was a big deal. And they actually, uh, there was nothing there. So there's nothing for people to hunt and they brought back bow hunting. Um, and they allowed people after a few years after the deer population, they felt like started to grow and there was enough to hunt. They brought it back and it was a one buck limit and it was bow only. Well, they never changed that to this day. It's still one buck limit and bow only in four counties in West Virginia. And in my opinion, I mean, it's world-class bow hunting down here. Yeah. That's it. I, yeah, I've, I've heard quite a bit about that, that area and just, yeah, the phenomenal deer that I see well, from you guys, from Trace. Uh, there's, you know, others that are down there that seem to be just doing doing pretty well. And I'm, sure, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that not acting like it's easy. I just mean that it seems like there's some qual- right, quality, right, yeah. quality right. deer. And and so you attribute that mostly to just with it being bow only, and they're able to yeah, grow uh, old it's bow only. And I guess the one buck limit. Yeah, I mean. I'm not in, I'm not a biologist and I'm not into that kind of stuff. I just like hunting. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's gotta be what it is, you know, and there's a push in our state to lower the buck limit because the rest of the state, it like, you can literally go one County up and there's, uh, like the County I actually live in is a three buck limit. So you can kill three bucks Jeez. and the deer quality is nothing like in those four bow only counties. And, you know, everyone flocks in bow season down there to hunt and it gets a ton of pressure, but there's still that quality just because it's not easy to kill a deer with a buck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that quality is still there, even though it's getting all this outside pressure. And, uh, you know, there's idiots like me on podcasts telling everybody about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're the so, one uh, everyone hates about it. I, I right, yeah. right. Yeah. The locals love me. They yeah. love us. Uh, trust me. They've even like, even the local game wards have told us like, you all have added pressure, <laughs> you know, Yeah, you all added a lot of pressure to our area. I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I try to win our videos. I always try to do my best as far as I'm basically, you know, I'll say the stage or whatever, but I, I would never mention like a County we're in, or definitely not mention the piece of public we're in or something. Yeah. That'd be true. Up on the foot just to protect locals. You know? Yep. And I, I do, I, I don't do the, think that's fair to them. I do the same thing with like, um, well, one, I, I do that to protect myself. And then two, right. I, I, you know, and I just don't want, don't want it to be, you know, crazy from anything, not saying that everybody's just going to come flock into it, but uh, the reality is they hear it on, on something, whether it's a podcast or see it in a video, then it's, um, the way I've always attributed it to, and I'm sure it's this way in West Virginia. I mean, the hunting is not easy no matter what. So like, to get people that are going to consistently try to do it, they got to be kind of dedicated to wanting to, to do it. There's, there's easier places to, to kill deer than the Appalachian mountains. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I love, if you're listening to this, skip West Virginia. Just go ahead and go on over to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's go to Ohio. For those people there probably don't like hearing that, but man, the, the hunting over there, it is awesome. It is. It is. Anytime, anytime I've got an opportunity to go hunt Ohio, I do it. I, I know. I, I, I haven't hunted in Ohio in a few years, but I used to do it every year. And I, th- I think a lot of it was some shit luck, but at the same time, it was, I don't know, the, the deer hunting quality is definitely a little bit better, but I, I seemed, I killed like three years in a row. I killed a deer within the first two hours of hunting on my trip. Like just, Jeez. yeah, that was, like I said, that's a lot of luck that came into it. But the way I put it was, you know, even in like in Southern Ohio and then in the, the bigger Hills and stuff there and steeper terrain and big woods stuff, it's just, there's more of those quality deer, you know, they're, there's more 140 inch. We might have those, t- those type of deer here, but they're very few and far in between where down there, it seems to be a little bit different. So right. everyone, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, it sucks. Go to Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, man. Now yeah. I, now I just lost all Ohio listeners from here on out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyways, Kirk, Hey, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me here. Um, it was, it was a great conversation and, and I, I especially liked listening to the the mountain lion hunt story and then also the spot and stock stuff. I love when you can kind of combine that Western hunting style with hunting, you know, close to home essentially in the, in this Appalachian region. So I, I, like I said, I'm not tooting your horn here but you guys do put out some really quality stuff and i enjoy watching it so i highly recommend anybody listening to go check out kirk and the the crew over there at the untamed and so where can people find um all of your stuff at so you can if you just get on youtube just search the untamed now unfortunately about a year and a half ago we had our name hijacked by a chinese like film company uh, so there is like billions. I mean, we've got a video with 8 million views and their video still pops up before ours. And it drives me crazy. I, I noticed like, it today, actually. When there I you go. It. Yeah. it drives me crazy. I even like, I even had a discussion with Josh. I'm like, should we change our name? Our name has been hijacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, search the untamed and you'll find it. Or do you search the untamed hunting on YouTube? You'll find it, uh, on Instagram at the untamed. We got it before they tried to get it. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the tag and then, uh, Facebook, the untamed as well. Uh, you can find us on all that. And we're on TikTok now too. Awesome. So. All right. So before I, before I let you go, TikTok, I tried using that and putting videos up and every single one I put up gets flagged and taken down. Listen, if it's got a gun in it or if, if it's got any type of gun in it, or even some bow stuff, they cherry pick every now and then. You can forget it. It, it. The app is not made for people like us. No, <laughs> not it's at all. not. I do I like the untamed stuff and I haven't posted on there in a while, but I do kind of like behind the scenes, like I was just being stupid and stuff yeah. on there, you know, post that stuff. But like, yeah, if you've got any type of weapon, no, the, like I said, it, it, whoever's, whoever's behind that app and they're, and they're what's acceptable. Uh, they don't like people like us. No, <laughs> I, I, I figured that would be, uh, your, your take on it too, but I was just wondering. Yeah. And uh, Hey, I, I appreciate you having me on. And I want to say, you know, I want to make, I, I, cause I've been thinking this ever since you started, uh, when I was growing up, there was no type of like, at least I didn't feel like, or I didn't, didn't know about any type of 
hunting content out there uh, for the mountain hunter, the mountain whitetail hunter. And everything you saw on TV was Midwest almost. I mean, 99% of it. And I really appreciate what you're doing, giving people a, a chance to learn how to hunt these mountain whitetails other than, you know, learning from their dad or their grandpa or cousin or friend, you know, yep. you're providing a source. And I, I appreciate that because I know there's, there's other people in, in your listeners, obviously. Yeah. They really do appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, pr- I appreciate that. I remember you, you told me that when I first met you, you, you said that yeah. uh, you enjoyed that. And, and I, 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 I really do appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's something that doesn't get much attention and and it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to get into without having some sort of resource or like you know myself i grew up in a hunting family here so i learned most of it through them and not not everyone has that yeah right so well kirk thanks for coming on again man it was enjoyable and i'm definitely going to have you back on and talk specifically bear hunting so i'll I'll yeah yeah hey hey and and this past year i went out and mule deer and antelope hunted public land in wyoming so we could talk on that too heck yeah i i would uh i would definitely enjoy that yeah so awesome man well i had a good time all right buddy we'll talk to you soon Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.